the ladder was up against the wrong wall. I got to the top. I looked around and said, for what? Right. right. I have nowhere to go but down. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we focus on ways to achieve those two goals, and we invite friends on to help us. And today, we have Bill Foss, and you are going to just love hearing what Bill has to share. Bill is a 40-year veteran of the real estate industry, so we have that in common, and he maybe gives me some tips about that. He's an investor, an agent, and he's broke. he was, and I don't think he still is a broker owner, but we can talk some more about that. And he was also a master franchise owner for the for a major real estate company. But you can tell just from the beginning sentence that he is definitely an entrepreneur at heart ever since he was a kid. Um, he's built and managed several businesses in real estate, retail, online, and of course, his coaching and consulting business, which we're going to be focusing on today. Um, and he became a student of the principles of growth and change. And I think that's what we are all, that's why we are here, right? Because we want to learn how to do this thing right. And by um, learning those principles, he's been able to help himself and the folks that he worked with in his franchises and us and other people to create businesses that serve them and their lives. Bill, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so first of all, Bill, tell me about, tell us all about you. How did you, you know, what, like, how did you get interested and involved and, and what, like, was the trail that brought you to where you are today? It's been a long and winding trail. <laughs> how far back do you want to go? I mean, <laughs> in the intro, I've been an entrepreneur at heart. I was actually the black sheep of the family. All my family were very conservative bookkeepers on, uh, and accountants and so forth. And I kind of took a left-hand turn and went into the <laughs> entrepreneurial angle. And I did that from a very young age. So my entrepreneurial, uh, my real estate career started after a horrific experience, 20 years old, and I was buying my first home. I was young, married. And um, to make a long story short, it ended up in court. And I became very passionate about making sure real estate was done right and people were treated well. And I went and got my license because I didn't want anybody else to go through what I went through. And that got me started on the real estate side of things. I had been in, that was my first investment, bought and sold several properties, owned many uh, until the um, mid to late 80s when I sold all of those just prior to the collapse. I actually ended up stuck with one building in the late <laughs> 80s when the, the market collapsed. But that started me on the path. I was a bro an agent for two years when I had a, a falling out with my broker owner. I lost one of my biggest contractors that I was dealing with. And I said, well, no one's going to take control of my business ever again. So I opened my own brokerage within a week. Right. And that's how I started down the brokerage end of things. And uh, so just in a nutshell, that's how I got on the path of entrepreneurship and on the real estate side of things. And it all evolved from there. And it's interesting, a couple of things that you said that I hear a lot is one is that you're the black sheep of the family, like people just don't get us entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> <laughs> My parents are like, but you had this great job. I don't understand why you would leave. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't fun. Fun. No, it wasn't fun. <laughs> just wasn't satisfying. It wasn't yeah. challenging. <laughs> and for a lot of people, it's like, but they paid you money, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> That wasn't good enough. <laughs> but the other thing is that, you know, when you had, when there was an issue, you said, 
I'm going to take control of this situation and I'm now going to go do something else instead of just whining and complaining and saying, oh, this job sucks. My boss is a jerk, right? You're just like, okay, I see a problem. Boom, I'm going to go fix it, right? And that's also the entrepreneurial mindset. Yes, yes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with mind types. My friend Ridgely Goldsboro uh, is kind of built upon the idea of mind types. And my mind type is problem solver. And it's like, we, we never see anything problem that we just don't want to go fix. Um, sometimes that gets in the way, but <laughs> if you ask my significant other, she's not real thrilled that I'm a problem solver. I just want you to listen. <laughs> that doesn't compute. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. You just think, and other people would be in a whole different, I mean, is there like a complainer mindset? Is that like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not one of his mind types, but it, it should be. <laughs> So then what happened now you, how did you kind of transition out of your brokerage role? Uh, it, it was just, we, um, I, I opened as an independent uh, brokerage firm six years in, I could see some challenges that I was having with the way that business worked. And I hired a consultant and we started to go out and look at various business models. And I stumbled, I started interviewing different franchise brands and uh, different ideas that were out there at the time. And I happened to stumble into the Remax uh, New England franchisor's office and interviewed the regional director at the time. And when she was done, I said, why am I recreating the wheel? I wrote him a check and I bought a Remax franchise. And the mm -hmm. next year we were the fastest growing in the nation, which was awesome. Right? Awesome. Congratulations. So, I kind of learned that systems help the whole process. And so there was a lot learned through that experience. Uh, and it just grew and grew and grew. And, and part of the reason I'm passionate about my consulting business, everything I'm about now is the business alignment, aligning your business with who you really are, because I built this wonderful multi-million dollar organization and I came to hate it. It wasn't who I really was. Yeah. And so in 2006, I sold that. It created the, the business and myself within my business created havoc in my personal life. And, and to make a long story short, the wheels came off the bus and sold it and, you know, was damaging to my relationships with my family and so forth. But that created this new passion, new problem, new passion. It's like, <laughs> how did that happen? You were so good and everyone loved your business and loved working with you. What went wrong? Mm -hmm. And so I went into a period of self-analysis and, and I like to say I'm a recovering self-improvement junkie. I began to see <laughs> a lot of the flaws in what we had been taught through the years uh, by the self-improvement industry. And, and so that created this whole new journey that I've been on. Interesting. So tell me about this new journey. Well, the new journey is um, coaching and consulting entrepreneurs primarily in the real estate and mortgage industry, simply because that's my language. But the, the principles are far reaching right there. Any entrepreneur really needs what I talk about. We are often we often get this itch to do something and we run out and do it. And we haven't thought about the overall idea and how it fits into who we really are. And then I began to discover most people don't know who they really are at their core. They don't know that genius that runs through them, their, their passions. They don't know how their previous experiences have affected who they are. And so they just 
are chasing, I call it chasing shiny lures. This looks like it'll be fun and we'll solve my problem. That doesn't. So now we're going to run over here and do this. And then we're going to run here and do this. Or the opposite side, they force their way through some business or some career choice. And they just force and force and force. And they reach a level of success, much like I was talking about with my, my experience. Yeah. And it's like pushing against a big rubber band between two trees, you push back, push back, push back. Eventually you get tired and the whole thing slingshots <laughs> the other way and all kinds of damage comes from that. Not just to you, but anyone that was around that thing when it's shot back. <laughs> and so my whole premise is I am going to help entrepreneurs create businesses that serve their life their way because a career in a business is just one small part of who we are and what, our, what we're here to be. Uh, so that's how that all came about. Interesting. So now how does, how do people recognize if I'm looking at my business in my life, how would I know that I needed you? Oh, there are so many symptoms. We could spend an hour on it, right? (laughs) Overwhelm, time, stress, frustration, avoidance. I mean, you can go on and on, right? There are all these manifestations of when you're forcing or when you're avoiding, when you you reach a level of production, I call it the roller coaster. I get busy and then I get, I'm not busy. I get busy, I'm not busy. Yeah. Or the opposite, we just get overwhelmed and we, we just crash. So it's interesting. I believe that nature always seeks balance, doesn't ever attain balance, but it's always seeking it. So yeah. if you sense that you're out of whack you, you need to start talking to someone and figure out what's going on. And we have blind spots, right? We don't know who we, what's going on. We, we, the mind in its effort to protect us and keep us surviving and breathing adapts to make things okay. So it's, it's crazy. It, it really is. I, you know, it's funny. I go to a lot of real estate events, you know, of course, and s- seminars and whatever training. And I remember going to one where it was the person who was talking sort of similar to, actually, I think the topic was boundary setting and I, a lady in the audience. And I, and I say, lady, I suppose it could have been anybody, but I think it's more likely that it would have been a female agent. She started crying and she said that, you know, how can I stop these millennials from calling me like in the middle of the night? And I can't, you know, I, I, I need to be responsive and I need to, you know, but I, but they call me all the time and text me all the time. And I just thought, <laughs> really (laughs) an underlying belief right yes exactly like i must pick up the phone 24 7 or i'm not serving my client yes because someone's going to the hospital it's 911 (laughs) exactly are you a surgeon (laughs) (laughs) no i'm a real estate agent oh yes well you better get on the phone i mean you know is that property going to sell at one in the morning you know it's absolutely crazy what we do to ourselves yeah so how do you help perpetuated by the industries you know, it's perpetuated. So it's true. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think in any business, especially when you're beginning, you feel like you have to talk to every client, you have to take on every client, right? Right. Which is why I started coaching and doing all of these things. It's like, no, that's not true. It seems to be true. And in actuality, I I firmly believe, Chris, that especially the real estate industry, more than any other that I've worked with, we have lost more good people because we haven't properly guided new agents to create a business that serves them. For exa- exactly what I talk about is what was missing in our industry. We feel like we have to work with everyone. And in fact, that's the worst thing you can do. 
because you're not working with the ideal client, the people you relate to best, you just have to go out and grab and grab and grab and grab. And then you end up spinning your wheels, get frustrated and you quit. Yeah. You're not making any money. Well, that's you. <laughs> I say it's your fault. It's your broker's <laughs> fault for not guiding you down the right path. But, uh, you know, that's what we're taught to do. Yeah. Well, it's true. And you can, it's very easy, especially in a referral-based business to have one crappy client. And the next thing you know, you have 10. Yeah, you have <laughs> more of them. Exactly my point. <laughs> so back to the millennial question. Well, why do you have that person? Just get rid of them. Exactly. And then, the, then it's the scarcity thing, right? You see, and this all comes back to what I'm talking about. Most people in their background, if they do that, they've had some issue with, with scarcity. And now that manifests it within their business. Absolutely. And so true too. I mean, it's funny. I had one client who we were just so opposite. She was so analytical. I'm, I'm kind of a creative type, you know, <laughs> I'm, I know a lot about building and, you know, and a lot about like, I'm great with first time buyers because I can say to them, this could be a potential problem, you know, cause I've got a lot of construction experience and stuff, but you know, if somebody wants, like she wanted three years, there was, it was a two person condo association and she was upset that there weren't three years worth of minutes. I'm like, they probably, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I get a grip, you know, she thought, well, are they hiding something? I'm like, hiding <laughs> their meetings probably consist of you know talking in the backyard over a beer you know i mean i don't really exactly don't... <laughs> if at all <laughs> i just thought is she nuts you know like well i need to see the budget i'm like i bet they don't have one, <laughs> not have one. that's right <laughs> so yeah i was so happy when she quit i should have fired her like in retrospect i should have been mm -hmm. like hey you know what we just do not but because i waited too long and i thought oh i can get i, I thought well we'll just get our house and get rid of her you know <laughs> So, but I should have said, Hey, we're not a match because then she ended up having a kind of a negative feeling toward me. Absolutely. And that could, that we could have so easily avoided that. If I would have just said, does she meet my avatar? She absolutely does not. <laughs> exactly. And most people never take the time to do that. And, and then worse that if you had done it properly, she would have appreciated you for having referred her to someone that was a match. And that relationship would have been um, much stronger. And she still may have referred people to you. Right. Who were more knew who you were and how you worked and maybe matched up. So exactly. You know. Exactly. And that, so how can you, um, when people first come to you, what, what, how do you help them to sort of discover? Well, we start with a, with a phone conversation or a zoom meeting like this. And we, uh, I just probe and, and, I would love to give you more detail around that, but it's different. It depends on what the individual says as to where I go, because right, right. one of my pet peeves, and again, because you're in the industry, you'll understand this. There are a lot of coaching programs that aren't really coaching programs. They're training programs about a system that was successful for them. And here's how you do it. And now we get on the phone and we make you fit that square peg round hole, right? Yeah. That's not coaching. That's, that's training and um, accountability and, and that's back to the force, right? We're going to force you into our system because it's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great, but it may not be great for you, but the underlying essence of those things may be. So when I'm with an individual, I'm always thinking about who they are, what, where they're trying to go, and now let's bridge that gap. What do they need to make that happen in a, in a broad view of what I do? So that first 
interview or conversation is really, really diagnostic. It's, I have an assessment, by the way, on my website, BillVoss.com, and it, it looks at clarity of self-knowing, clarity of direction, clarity of environment, and that's in essence what I do live with people and talk them through it. Then I have a sense of where they're at, they're at and help them from there. Yeah, and that's perfect, right? It's not, there isn't any one type of real estate. There's a guy in my office and he his thing every day is he picks up the phone and does, you know, robo dialer and just calls people all day long. And he's so good at it. You know, he'll get people on the phone. He knows just what to say to them. And I thought I would shoot myself within a week. You know, I could just not my style talking to strangers who don't even want to sell their house. <laughs> you know, what, Chris, I, I'm going to tell you a story and I won't share names, of course, but I had, I had one of my top agents. She was just phenomenal years ago when I, when I had my franchise and she got hooked up with a particular trainer slash coach and she had a coach and that is in essence what she was taught and she actually ended up having a nervous breakdown it was oh so far from who she really was but she had this drive again looking at history from her parental upbringing and things she had a drive to be really successful and she was doing so well but then this became an obsession and she began doing business at such a high level with people that were just cold leads, weren't relationships, and it all ended up falling. She get out of the business. She doesn't live anywhere near here, and she's mm -hmm. no longer in the industry. And it was just such a shame because she was so good. I mean, clients loved her. Yeah. Oh, so. that's so sad. And you, like you say, you're just trying to force yourself to be someone who you absolutely are not. Yes. There you are know. great things in all systems, right? Yeah. Something works. Yeah. But but how it works for you is not the same. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you must have, you must have a lot of experience with all the, with the different types of different ways that you can make money. And yeah, absolutely. Industry. There's probably nothing I haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> but the, right. That's, I mean, how else can you help people? Right. Unless, you know, otherwise you'd just be sending them down the road that you already believe in for yourself or whatever. Yes. Excellent. So now what's the best, um, let me see how I can ask this the right way. So people who you, people who come to you and you have your sort of conversation with them, then so what happens next? Is this like therapy that they're going to keep talking to you for, you know, six years or something like what, what happened? What's the, like the next step? <laughs> I wish that were true. I'd love to have a six year client <laughs> make my life so much easier. Right? But no, seriously, I, I it, again, it depends. So I have different formats for how I'll work with someone. Uh, I prefer one-on-one -on -one to group, but I'll, I'll share an idea that I'm working on right now. Uh, so I have a program called Laser Coached. And what Laser Coached is, is a three or a six month commitment where we do 15 to 20 minute unlimited sessions. So an individual can meet with me whenever on Zoom meetings and when they're recorded and there are commitments along the way and we set a path we have a, a, an onboarding call and then we set a path and then we say, this is next, next, next. And the individual commits to whatever it is they feel is their next step. Yeah. And then they can set an appointment anytime to get together with me. And I also give them my boxer account. So they, if they have a quick question, they can do that. So that's really good for someone who already sort of has where they need to go. They're just having some struggles with a particular thing. It's, so it's very succinct. Yeah. Uh, and limited. The other way I work is one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, which is a much more um, 
much more of a commitment on both parts, right? And again, Voxer connection, uh, longer sessions, typically 40 minutes, although I will put two together if there's something we're working through. And that gets much deeper. That is usually taking them through that whole process from the, their background to their uh, values, to their vision, to, and take them through the whole process. And that seriously takes three months to do well. I prefer a six month or a year commitment for somebody. But again, don't know till we get on the, the diagnostic call. Yeah, makes sense. So during this time, you talked about the shiny lower syndrome. You know, we also call it, you know, rabbit. Like, <laughs> How do you keep people focused on this path and kind of keep them from going? Or you know, or is that a problem? You know, when, when it's not a problem. It, it, it's not a problem for me. It's a problem to help people break that habit because I believe it is habitual. And so part of the whole idea is understanding how the brain works. I call it kind of mind, mind mystery to mind mastery. And when people understand how their brain is wired, they begin to see what they're doing and why things are happening the way they are. And then it's a matter of just keeping them on, on track and taking examples. Uh, inevitably, uh, I have clients that begin to try to drift away, <laughs> you know, and I have to reach out and say, hey, Chris, I'm not hearing from you. You're not scheduling appointments. What's up? Seems like we may be doing some avoidance pattern here. And so we bring them <laughs> back in. Uh, and I'm not sure everyone works that way. That's how exactly. That's how I work. It's like you gave me a lot of money or a um, sum of money. I am going to give you the value, even if you think you're going to get away with it. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't push people. I, I, you know, it's their their telling me their commitments. But if they start avoiding them, I say, Chris, do you mind if I poke at you a little bit? Let's have a conversation. Where are you going? Why? And then the excuses or the reasons come out. And they're usually just the brain trying to protect them from change. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. So why do you think we get into this sort of mindset? I guess why is not a good, why is a terrible coaching question, right? <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> it's the number one word you do not use as a coach. Yeah. So, the brain goes looking for a reason why, and then it'll keep looking at that same problem forever. Exactly. Exactly. So when you're working with people and, and you feel that they are just like fixated on the number or fixated on like the, the, just the money aspect of it, do you feel that that's okay, you know, to like set those goals for yourself and focus on that? Or are there other things that you think would well, be more helpful? That's, that's actually a really good question because there's this prevailing thought that the mind is goal seeking and you need to have goals written and so forth, which I absolutely agree with, but that's cart before the horse problem from my perspective. I have some very high producing folks in both the real estate and the mortgage industry. And the first meeting, um, the, the question I ask is, and I'll use, use the example, hey, Chris, tell me about this. You're producing at a really high level. Some of these people are in the seven, 800, a million dollar range. How does your business serve your life? What's the intent? And there's this blank on the other end of the phone or on the Zoom meeting, there's this blank look. It's like they don't really know. They have the goals and, they, and they, they know what that piece of their life is doing. And it's a problem that resulted in my um, undoing years ago. The ladder was up against the wrong wall. I got to the top, I looked around and said, for what? Right, 
Right. I have nowhere to go but down. Well, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's so true. And that's the other piece of it is that when you set a financial goal, you know, what do you follow that up with? A higher financial goal, right? Higher financial goal. That's right. You're on the treadmill. Yeah. Run, and run, then run. run, run, yeah. run. Right. And then, you know, like you say, then what? Right. So, so I think goals and the numbers are, they have a place they're usually taught in the wrong place. I do some coaching for another firm and I, just because I love what they do. Uh, and one of my pet peeves is they start with a business plan. Like, mm, not, not yet, too, yeah. too soon for this. Who are they? Where are they been? Where are they going? What drives them? What are their values? What's important? What do they want their life to look like? And it's interesting when you get to the point where you're fatigued and tired and and think you want some level of success, it's always a fantasy vision. I want an island with a yacht and a Ferrari and a whatever. And I say, no, 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 that's, that's, that's fantasy. You have the yacht, you have all the money, you have all the time in the world, you have physical health, you have energy, everything is that way, now what? Yeah. And again, the blank look comes <laughs> over, it's like, mm, I don't know. That's, that's, that's kind of sad. It is sad. And, and the thing is, we get these like this island. I mean, what are you going to do with an island? You know, I mean, those goals are unattainable for most people. And even if you attain them, like you say, then what? They're so not okay, so now you have you're going to just sit on the island. I mean, come on. They're not Think fulfilling. About it. They're not fulfilling. There's no self-satisfaction. There's no value to society. That's a take, take, take mentality. Uh, it just, yeah, it doesn't work. So. Yeah. And, you know, I actually was talking to somebody the other day. I'm, I'm just, this is totally off, but it's, it's, it's it'll come back. So I'm designing a, an online course for, um, to help people. And I'm going to start with real estate agents to design the life they want for their retirement, right? As entrepreneurs, oh, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to work till I'm 100. Yeah, that's great. Work till you're 100. But, you know, and, and that's, I think, partly because they can't imagine their life without work. And so I asked, I, I was interviewing some folks just to kind of get, take the pulse and say, is this something that's needed, whatever. And so I talked to this one person who's not a real estate agent, but she's an entrepreneur. And, and she said, well, I said, do you have a feel for how much money you need to retire the way you want to retire? And she said, $10 million. I'm like, okay, so you never, I mean, okay, maybe, you know, maybe you're going to make $10 million in the next, you know, 20 years, but what if you don't, you know, you can't keep working. So you're 97, you know, I mean, and then what, and I said, where did you get that number? And she goes, yeah, it's just a nice round number. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. A lot of motivation in that, right, Chris? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to keep putting, you know, a dollar at a time, dollar, but, and it's never going to feel like no matter how much you save, right? No, this is nothing. It's just, I'm never going to achieve my goal, $10 million. I just put a thousand in. That's not even making a dent, right? Right. It's so right. defeating. It's so defeating. That's interesting. So how can you help us, right? In this call, uh, just for like, so people are listening and let's assume that there are too many people listening for you to help one-on-one -on -one at this moment in time until you start your whole huge multi-fingered organization. <laughs> so what, could, what can any of us do today just to sort of like gain some clarity or, you know, what's, it, what's the first step that people could take? That's absolutely the right word, Chris, clarity. Most people do not have clarity. They have clarity in some areas, but they don't have an, 
overall clarity of where everything is supposed, supposed to fit together. And if I could just help people understand that they do need a vision and by vision, not fantasy, it is fantasy. You're not living that if you, if you had, if you were that person feeling, being, and doing that, 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 that person that had all of that, you know, you'd have it if you already have it, but so you do have to dream and create the challenges. I want you to do that around who you really are. So how do you do that? One of the exercises I do is I suggest to people break your life into seven year blocks, zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, all the way up to whatever your age is. Okay. And and the reason I'm asking them to do this, I ask them to look for three, and I put in air quotes, good events that happened or experiences, and three, quote unquote, bad events or experiences that happened. And I like to do this when I'm coaching people. I will do it here, but just listen very carefully. You must do this as a detached observer, like a reporter looking at these events. Do not get in the emotions of it. You're just reporting as if you were a reporter watching the event or the thing happen. What we're looking for, first of all, I want you to notice that what you thought were quote unquote bad events have influenced you to be who you are today. And so they were really good events. And some of the really good events actually created some negative impacts in your life. And, but those were also for your benefit, if that makes any sense. So you may have become like I did at one point in my life, I became very arrogant and um, pretty much obnoxious. I called myself an ass when I look back at it, right? And I was like, what did I, what did I learn from that? I was so successful and blah, blah, blah. Well, I learned that, you know, when you're on your way up, people are really happy for you. Not really. They love it when you're on your way down right? See, he deserved that. <laughs> Especially anyway. if you described yourself, but we've all had that phase, right? Yeah. We've all had yeah. that cocky phase. It's awakening. I expanded. <laughs> but anyway, so you take these seven-year blocks. And what the other thing you will notice is there are patterns. What did you love to do in the zero to seven year of age? Who did you imagine yourself to be? Who did you pretend to be? And then from seven to 14, you began to manifest some of those things and you started to actually do that. Like myself, I started a, a lawn mowing company, had my friends working for me. I did, I sold the blueberries on the side of the road when I was even younger. Oh, now, yeah. things like that. an so entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, so you have these patterns that begin to show up and there's a thread that runs through them. Uh, and, and I would just want people to become familiar with their history. And most people never look Back. They remember things, but they don't remember it in a context of how it fits within their, their life. And there is a genius that runs through that. So I said to you, my mind types problem solver, you can see through my seven year block process, that tendency to fix problems all the way through. So what we do is we now say, okay, let's build a vision. Uh, now we go look at your values. I'm sorry. And we, your values are demonstrated in your life. What do you spend your money on? What do you, what do you have around you? What do you love to do? What, will you, what do you do that no one has to motivate you to do? Like every morning I wake up, I spend two hours or invest two hours reading or listening to audio, audio books and writing what I get out of it. 
No one has to motivate me to do it. And they haven't had to for, I can't tell you how many years, but I quit college. Well, that doesn't make sense. You don't want to learn. You don't want to go to school yet. I learned that's all I'm driven to learn. So you begin to see these things in your life, right? And once you know your values, now you can align a vision that takes advantage of your genius, your who you should be, you know, who, who your innate abilities are, what your innate abilities are, how they align with your values. Your values typically come out of those negative things that are quote unquote bad things that happen. They come out of the voids in your life. So people, um, some of the actors can say, way back when we were poor as dirt, and I imagine myself writing a $10 million check for a movie. I can't remember who did that. But that- the, Jim Carrey. The, Jim Carrey, yeah, exactly. So the void creates the, the drive and the value and the purpose. And so once you know your values and your purpose and your innate abilities begin to show a pattern, now you put that into a vision. And now it's not about the islands or whatever. It's about serving and how you're going to serve and how you will be fulfilled. And now you, you don't need to be motivated. You're intrinsically motivated, not extrinsically motivated. It's not some coach telling you make four hours worth of phone calls. It's I can't wait to get on the phone because I'm going to help somebody do whatever. Like I, you can hear it in my voice. I love getting on the phone with someone. Yeah. You don't have to coax me to get on the phone with someone. It's, right. it's, it's driven. Bill, that is genius. I have to say, I really love this idea. And, you know, I, what, one thing that popped into my head as you were talking about your good and bad things that have happened to you in your past is um, Tony Robbins saying, what if everything was happening to you, you know, for you, not to you, right? And, exactly, and that's, that's exactly how I now understand it all works. Yep. Everything is complementary, not contradictory. Every, I think it's Dr. Martini says it's in on the way, not in the way. Exactly. So that exactly. those are powerful ideas. And they definitely are. And it's a whole different way of looking at, at, certainly at your past, where a lot of people feel like that's just a big, you know, this is why I'm not more successful, or this is why I have to do X, Y, Z, because someone did something to me when I was young, and that just screwed me up for life, right? And it's just like, mm, only if you, you let it. That, right? Want to take that a little deeper, just real quick. I'm working on a way to exactly share this this concept further i told you about the rubber band but really look at life as a pendulum and there's a negative and a positive at the upper straight across right at the, at the horizontal point and the yeah. pendulum is hanging down and the pendulum can gain momentum either way and in fact we talked about nature is never fully in balance but it's always trying to get there so if there's a big um, temperature difference or pressure difference there is a storm to help bring the atmosphere back into balance. Well, we are no different. The challenge we have is when we try to attain a goal that isn't grounded in who we really are, what we often do, or most people do, I, th I think most is probably the right word. We actually try to deny the negative side of ourselves. We actually cover it up. So I know, and I said, I'm a recovering self-improvement junkie affirmations were all that well affirmations are good done properly and i'm not going to go into that today otherwise it's like i think it's De uh, debbie ford says it's like putting ice cream on dog crap and you <laughs> dig into the bowl eventually you're going to hit the crap again <laughs> and so what we do is we deny that that quote unquote negative side which is actually trying to help us it's benefiting us 
and we try to do all the good side. So we've loaded up that pendulum one way and it's going to swing back and go the opposite direction. So the person who's making so many phone calls and working 70, 80 hours a week, eventually they grow tired. It swings back the other way, does all the damage, and then they don't want to work at all and they have to shut down for a while. And then they'll swing back somewhere toward the middle and then it all starts again. And so that's the whole thing is, is a balanced approach that encompasses who you really are, the things you think that were shameful and guilty that you're trying to hide or you're guilty about are really on the way, not in the way. And if we can see that in, in, in investigate that at a deeper level, you begin to release all that energy that's tied up with being hiding and trying to be somebody that isn't that thing. Yeah. And, you know, and then as you embrace those negative things that happen to you and you start to see like, wow, I'm really grateful that that person did that to me or that I had that experience or that somebody took that thing from me because look at what it's done for me. And you can just, exactly. you know, it up um, so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can mm -hmm. definitely, definitely see how that could be. So not just, um, not just therapeutic, but also, as you say, like give you some equilibrium and allow yeah. you to see your life differently. Well, it frees you up because again, we're, we're trying, we think we're not worthy or whatever. I hear all kinds of words, but that's you trying to avoid that whole thing. And what you're taking is the whole you and trying to be just this part of you. Right. And that's why that you're ugly, struggling. Put that ugly, leave that ugly yeah. stuff <laughs> over there. Because we don't want somebody to find out. <laughs> it's right, crazy. exactly exactly yeah. and then you're not authentic and people know not when you're not being authentic and they know it and that's exactly the point yes. yeah it's true it's interesting sometimes you meet somebody you just don't warm up to them well you know i struggle with this even when i started coaching and consulting as a as a on my own it's like i'm not the guru i'm not the big company and i thought i had to impress people with my my past history and successes. And I came out that way. And if you go to my website now, you don't see that so much. It's like, who cares? How can you help me? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I forget what I just heard that somebody was saying, you know, don't tell them what you want to tell them, tell them what they want to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, tell them what. Yeah, exactly. So, so just to like recap for people who might have been driving or not 100% able to absorb what you said. So, we're going to take our life and we're going to look back in seven year blocks, starting with basically birth, anything we can imagine that, and, and three good things and three bad things for each, each seven one. year block. Yeah. yeah. And you may not get three, but if that's ideal. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then from there, you're going to look back on those. Let me just, let me just look at my notes. So yeah, do this. You have to make sure this is the important thing. Make sure that you do it objectively, that you're looking back. It's a movie. And detached. Yes. Detached. You're detached. Do not go down the rabbit hole because some people have had traumatic experiences. And that's why I say, I like to coach people through it, but you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's safe. If you're okay, it's safe. If you're <laughs> under care of a therapist or taking some kind of medications, don't go do this, please. <laughs> I do want to say that. <laughs> That's a good disclaimer, actually. Yeah, it, it really is. It's important. So you yeah. have to be detached from it. You have to just be an observer. Yeah. Yeah. And look, look back on it as if it's a movie that you're watching that, you know, you're not, or it's happening to someone else. And maybe you can have compassion for that person, but you're not going to, you're, you're not that person in, in this moment. Exactly. And, uh, and then you, you 
kind of look back on them and you say, okay, this bad thing that happened to me, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, I'll share a traumatic experience and I can even tell you how it impacted me. And, and, uh, when I was two years old, there was a little, um, there was an ant cup, right? So it was like a poison. It was poison for ants that was on the counter. And I got up before everyone else because I, that's what I used to do. And that's what I still do. And I saw it and it smelled like oranges. And so I ate it and it was not good. It was ant poison. And so, you know, I became sick and stuff. And, and uh, anyway, long story short, I had to spend two weeks in the hospital. Wow. And as a young kid, my parents couldn't prepare me for that, right? They couldn't say, you know, we're going to abandon you here. And with these mean people are going to put shots in your leg every day, right? And so that became a big um, thread that wound through my life, this idea of abandonment and people, you yes. know, just when you think you can trust them, they're going to walk out on you. And my mother tells a story that she was leaving because they, you know, they kick you out at a certain point. It's not like now you can stay with your children, right? At those, in those days, you couldn't. Uh -huh. And so she was leaving and, you know, and I'm, so I'm yelling for her, you know, mom, mom. And she said, I must've realized at some point that, you know, everybody had a mom. So I started yelling, Carol, <laughs> come back. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine how heartbreaking that was for her? Oh, terrible. Yes. God. But yeah, so that, and that's such a small not a small thing, but you, you may not realize how impactful that is and how it kind of kept coming up. And so I had to sit down and think that thing through as an adult. Well, you know, and you'll know in our industry, fear of rejection is a major challenge for many, many people. So they won't make calls. They won't tell people what they do because they're afraid they'll be rejected for some reason. That usually is found in those zero to seven or seven year blocks through life. And it is usually because of doing something where they were um, judged or abandoned or, or somehow pushed aside. And we have to remember the brain was designed to help us survive. So as a two-year-old, when you are abandoned, that is the same as potential death. That's how the brain sees it. Now, logically, we can say, well, you had no risk whatsoever, but that's not what a two-year-old brain does. And it, it fears this could be death. So if you are judged and pushed aside when you're in elementary school more than once and it becomes a thing for you, then fear of rejection becomes real when you're an adult. These are the kinds of patterns that, that will show up. And as you look at these seven-year blocks, you will see recurring patterns of good and bad that happened over and over again, different context and bigger problems typically than when we're very young, but the same idea runs through them. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and like you say, because you weren't, weren't a good basketball player and you're always the last to be chosen, right? <laughs> you think, well, now that I'm a real estate agent, I'm going to be the last one they choose. <laughs> but, you know, you, you talk basketball. When I was in the seventh grade, I was just a mediocre basketball player. But in this one game, I scored the first six points and it was a team that was really good. And of course, they all sagged off me because I sucked, right? So I drained these first points, which made them start to come up and guard me, which opened up our game. And at halftime, I said, coach, coach, how many points did I score? And he embarrassed me in front of the whole group. There's no I in team and it doesn't matter what you scored. It's, and, and he really, really berated me. And my friends felt bad. It was so bad. My friend said, Bill, you did fantastic. And, and kind of felt badly for me. Well, I now down, I brought, I don't now, but I was downplaying everything I did everything I ever did because I didn't want to stand out and then be embarrassed by it. 
So these are the things I look for when I'm coaching someone. Yeah. And that's gold, right? It's I mean, gold. Once, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Once you identify that, I mean, it just opens you up, opens yes. up your whole life. It does. Fantastic. Big impact. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we're doing our seven year blocks and then we're going to look through to see what was bad and what was good and like how, how that maybe impacted us today. And then we're kind of, kind of get familiar with our history so we can find our values to sort of say, well, what, you know, what, what are some recurring themes of things that I've experienced through my life? You love to do things you had a propensity to do without being told you had to do them. Um, those kinds of things. You're looking for patterns of things that just seems to be innate skills, genius, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. I remember I was a real organizer as a kid. I would literally go to my friend's houses and make their beds if they weren't made. Thank mm -hmm. God I got over that. <laughs> I was going to say, and that resulted in the opposite at some point, because that was probably an inserted value that your parents taught you. You have to do this, have to do this. And then, oh, I don't know. I think I just didn't like things to be messy. I really was. Like, okay, yeah. good. I would call that an innate so, talent. Where did it go away? It didn't go away. I just don't make their beds anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant that your organization, you don't, not as. No, actually. I mean, well, if you looked at my house now, you'd say, oh, but it's just because I just had made breakfast and there's stuff everywhere. But that bothers me. I like things to be neat and clean. Okay. So that never went away. That's and, an, yeah. So that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. There's a yep. thread there that runs through our lives. Yeah. And what too many people do once they, they actually create businesses, many people that aren't in alignment with that and they wonder why they're struggling. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not what you do well. <laughs> exactly. If you always walked out of the house with your bed unmade, you might not be the best organizer and you might, you know, have issues with this kind of a thing, whatever. I don't know. So, okay. So some, then from there, we find some themes, we find some stuff that, oh yeah, I like to do that. And I always did that. And I always found that fun. Like you're with your problem solving. And, and then we look at our life today, right. And we're saying, okay, we've got, you know, wh what do I spend my money on today? What kind of things are important to me? What, what, um, what does my life look like? What do I surround myself with? You know, what's important? What, yeah. Yeah. And what's important and, and what do I do that I would do for free or that I do already do for free and that nobody has to remind me or ask me or, or whatever. And then from there, we have some tools, right? Then we have some data. Then we have data. We have direction. Yeah. yeah. And then we can develop a vision. Exactly. That's fantastic. That is so fantastic. And, and I think absolutely that people are going to feel at a certain point, like, okay, I have a whole bunch of data. Now I really need Bill <laughs> <laughs> to help me sort through all this stuff. And like, what does it all mean? Yeah, well, that's, that's sort of true. They need someone to bounce things off of. They can, you can get through it yourself. I did. Um, well, that's not true. I did have coaches, but you, you work your way through this stuff and um, you, it begins to, begins to show itself to you the, the, the whole picture begins to come together and the if you're not a visual like i you get the structure around things and then you can set a strategy for living that life that you laid out like you're talking about helping people uh live the life by design in their retirement well you can't wait till you retire to live the life by design you have to plan the life by design so you can live it in retirement so exactly you know, and that whole exactly. thing begins to come together and i gotta tell you i wish they teach this stuff in school so that people at a young age can begin their life on the so many kids pick a career path 
many, many because of parental pressure, societal pressure, um, chasing money, you name they just it. Drifted they, into it, right? Oh, they drift, yeah, I call it kicking the can down the road. They just yeah. ended up. And then they wonder why they don't love their career choice. It's it's, it's sad again. Right? It's, it's frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. But but you know when you when you do hire a coach, right? You're you're saving time, right? You're, so you're cutting the time. Forward. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I could spend three years analyzing my life, or I can work with you for a year. You know, I can spend probably ten years analyzing my life, or I can work with you for six months or a year and like fast track everything and end up in a much better place. Absolutely. That's why I love coaching. You know, it's helping that person fit that those pieces together. It's very powerful. Awesome. Awesome. Done done well. Not going to a training program square peg round hole. That's not so powerful. Right. Exactly. And that can be a disaster actually. So Bill, what do you wish that I would have asked you that I that I fell off at the boat and didn't didn't ask? What else do, is there anything that you want to share with us that we haven't already covered? I I thought so, but no, I think this was very well it unfolded very nicely. I mean, at, at the point where you have a vision, now you plug in the actions and then you will discover where the resistance lies and then that's what will take you through. But, um, you know, it's just clarity of self-knowledge, clarity of direction and clarity of environment. Clarity of environment is a whole new, dis another discussion we could spend another hour on. I mean, so many people are in jobs they hate, in places they don't like, and then they run, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and they run to a solution that they think, because everyone else went to this company, I'm going to go to that company too, thinking that that's going to fix them. That company is going to solve my failure. Not going to happen. And it can make your life miserable and worse. Uh, you're, you should be able to succeed right where you are. And the way I do this to people, I say, I want you to look around the company you're with. Is anyone succeeding at a level that you would like to be at? And inevitably <laughs> they say, yes, they have the same resources, the same tools, the same training, the same, whatever, same marketing. Why are they? And you're not, that's where we have to look. It's in a mirror. The life is life is a mirror. Exactly. I know. And who came with you? That What's the similarity between the last company you failed at and your current company? Is there yes. anything in common? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, if someone else succeeded, then you need to be able to succeed too. It's, that's just your reason and excuse for not being there. Absolutely. And it's, uh, the you know, it's people think it's easier to look outside, but when you look outside, you have no control over it. It's no, you've better given if up it's everything. Your fault, right? You've, you've given it up. Yeah, that's why when I start coaching with someone, I said promise. I say, promise me you will make no major changes for at least three months. None. I don't want you buying a big piece of technology. I don't want you changing companies. I don't want you changing careers. I don't want you changing anything for three months until we get clarity. And that's such a good idea because then they can say, well, it wasn't really the work I did with Bill and how I've changed. It was that new computer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. So Bill, how can people reach you? I mean, I know that there are people who need you absolutely and who you, who you can really transform, probably everyone. Easiest way is billfoss.com, period. Take the assessment. When you go through the assessment, the assessment's awesome. It goes at clarity of self-knowing, set clarity of direction, clarity of environment. You will get your scores. There's a four or five video, I think it's five videos that explain what and what we intended to accomplish in each of those sections. And then every one of those has the ability to click a button and schedule some time with me. Uh, and that's, that's the easiest way to do it. Perfect. 
Perfect. Bill, thanks. So I can't believe how the hour has gone by so fast. Thanks. So I know much. it was fun. It was fun. It was awesome. Good, good questions. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for listening. And remember that the goal is by the end of the year, we're going to reach 50 countries and I need your help to do that. So please think of someone, you know, or meet somebody. I mean, we've got access to the internet, go meet somebody from another country for the podcast to them and help me reach my goal. (laughs) Awesome. Great ask. I can help you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And I know you can too, listener. Thank you so much for listening, for being here. I know you have a choice of almost 2 million podcasts. So I'm very delighted and grateful that you're here and I look forward to seeing you or hearing to you or talking at you again next week. <laughs>